Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Well, I am super excited to be with you guys this morning. And uh, you can go ahead and get your Bibles. I got some other stuff I want to do first. But Matthew, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 20 through 24. Uh, but before we do that, got some new jokes for you. This is my favorite part. If you ever are serving in the kingdom and you stop having fun, go back. You lost Jesus somewhere. Amen. My life is a glitter bomb. That's the worst description ever, but we'll go with it. But I love to enjoy life because there was a lot of things in my past life that had me captivity. And I never had joy. I had happiness. And happiness is happening. It's what's going on in the moment. So I only ever discovered happening happiness. And I never understood what true joy was. So I'm never going to stop telling jokes. I'm never going to stop laughing. I'm never going to stop enjoying this beautiful life that God has given me. So uh, you're going to have to hear my corny jokes then. <laughs> I have an EpiPen. My friend gave it to me when he was dying. He seemed, it seemed very important to him that I have it. You'll get it on the way home. <laughs> and, God, <laughs> and God said to John, Come forth, and you shall be granted eternal life. But John came fifth, and he won a toaster. <laughs> That's very good. I found a job helping a one-armed typist do capital letters. It's shift work. <laughs> All right, one more, and then we'll get serious. You know why you never see elephants hiding up in trees? Because they're really good at it. <laughs> All right, come on, let's jump over. Uh, we're going into part three of intimacy. The other two nights, uh, you'll have to go back and listen to them on podcast if you weren't here on a Sunday night. But uh, I'm really excited about this because this, to me, is uh, such a beautiful foundation in who we are as believers. It's intimacy. And before you throw up a, a wall, I, I want to really teach you about what that word means and how God has been showing it to me. Because I know especially on men's part and on women's part too some, uh, but men really struggle with the intimate side. It's, it's a very vulnerable place. It's a place where you don't have control. You've relinquished your control. You've relinquished your comfort. It's a very vulnerable place. And sometimes us as believers uh, and just us as people in general, just humankind, we want to find the comfortable niches in our life, and we like to dwell there. And intimacy is never comfortable. But intimacy is the entrance to the life you were created to live. Uh, it's the place where you understand when uh, David could be going through the things he went through in the Bible and talk about the joy and the peace of the Lord. And you see these mighty men in the Bible in prison but still worshiping. There's a place that intimacy takes you to that you're no longer a victim to what's happening, but you're a uh, a prince or a princess, uh, uh, a child of the heir of God, and you have the authority to govern the situation. It's only accomplished through intimacy. So let's let down walls this morning, uh, be susceptible, whatever that word is, to receive this and uh, see what God wants to do. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 20 through 24, and I'm reading out of the ESV version, so it will look a little bit different. Uh, let's start in verse 20. It says, Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. I want everybody to say, repent. repent. Woe to you, Cherazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. 
I think that's how you say it. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And Capernaum, there it is, will you be exalted to heaven. You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sidon, it would have remained Sodom. It would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable in the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. All right, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we give you total access to this, to this service. We give you access. This is your word. You speak it. You deliver it the way you want to do it. And I pray you open up the hearts and the ears of your children in this house today that we receive what you're wanting to speak into our spirits, that we apply it to our lives, and we begin to grow in relationship and intimacy with you. Born-again believers founded in son and daughtership, living out their God-given planned destinies. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so uh, I'm going to get a little activity from you this morning. Okay, and I, I, I'm very driven. Uh, Y'all know this. I like to pray for healing. I, I love that. But miracles are never just defined by physical healing. A miracle can be anything that you have to step back and say, God did it. It doesn't matter. Uh, you don't have the money to put gas in your car, but you need to go to work. Somehow money shows up. Miracle. Um, a relationship broken in your life, haven't heard from a child in a, uh, so long a time, and all of a sudden you get a random text message. It's, it's the little things. I want to touch on the really small things that sometimes we overlook that we have to give God full credit for because something wasn't happening and he shifted it. So if that's you on any capacity in your life to the smallest form have had God shift something, I want you to raise your hand. So we're talking about 75 to 80% of the people in here. Okay, so I want you to think about what this scripture is saying. He's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah here. And in this time right now, Jesus is in his ministry, and they are seeing phenomenal miracles on every level, every scale of miracle you can think of. They're seeing it. And then he's talking about how this this place he's in, this geographical location, is experiencing the encounters of God, but it's not shifting the way they think. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed for their perversity, and he is making a profound statement here that says, the very city God burned up with fire from heaven. He's saying, if they would have seen the miracles you've seen, they would still be here today. So I want you to think about the statements he's making. That, those people would still be alive. That city would still be standing if they had seen the encounters that you had seen. Encounters with God are never to solidify a mediocre life surrounded in religion. It's always calls to go deeper. It's always doors he's opening because everything God does is for you to understand that he is a good father and for you to come to get to know him. We have seen, I did it last Sunday, I read some of the testimonies we've seen in this house over the past year. Incredible testimony. And so many more that I don't even have wrote down on these small scales where God just shifted something. I wish Story was here this morning. That is one of my favorite testimonies out of this house, how God shifted that and they got to adopt a beautiful baby. But there's so many levels of the goodness of God and we've seen them in so many ways, but how do they shift the way you view him in the aftermath? 
Because if we don't learn to honor the encounter, you'll never see the establishment of the goodness of God in your life. The goodness of God is a conviction that you live from. It's not a good idea that you encounter on an a, a, a often basis. It's, a, it's a, a, a seated position that you live in that I can live from, so therefore I can be a conduit for that goodness. But if I don't understand the encounters I've had were meant to translate in the way I view Him, the way I view life, then I'll have an amazing experience that three months from now, it's just a testimony. See, a testimony is meant to be a foundation that I speak of the goodness of God and this is the moment that something shifted. Testimonies aren't a bragging right that God patted you on the back for you to stay in religion and mediocrity. It's an invitation to say, I'm good, I'm the Father that you can trust, now come get to know me. I want to look at that word repent. Repented. But I tell you that Let's see, let's skip up here. I'm missing my word here. But anyway, find it here in a second. But it says if they would have repented, they would still be there today. That word repenting in the Greek means metaneo. And that word means to think differently, to change one's mind or purpose. I want to focus on that word, purpose. Because we all have a purpose in life. And sometimes it's a self-established purpose. What that means is, is God had a, because we, I, I, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, he said, he thought of me before the foundations of the world. I've never had a day that wasn't planned by my father. I've never had a day that he, he wasn't, he wasn't ready for. I caught him off guard. So if he thought of me before the foundations of the world, then I obviously, Justin, have a preordained destiny by God that I'm going to work out in the kingdom. I wasn't created just to, just to skate through life. He thought of me and said, Colby's going to be perfect for this. Justin's going to be perfect. Kenny is going to be perfect for that junior high. He is going to be perfect for that. And you know what? I'm going to give him everything he needs, and I'm just going to set him up, and I'm going to have this preordained destiny that I want him to step into. And we're going to live it out together, and we're going to have this history with each other. That's the call of the encounters. That the encounter was to change the way I view my God and to change one's purpose. Before Christianity, I had a self-established purpose. Get a job, start a good career, grow in that career, make good money, buy me a house, get married, have kids, so on and so forth, end up one day in a rocking chair on the front porch, singing by and by and wait till they lay me in the ground. That was it. Most money I can make, have kids, American dream, that was my purpose. That was a self-set-up purpose. But God, the whole time, my, oh, wow. My God is a dreamer. Because, see, if he thought of me before the foundations of the world, that means I wasn't even born yet. I wasn't alive. I wasn't even thought in my parents' mind. That means God was dreaming of who I was going to be. Oh, that excites me. Because, see, I'm created in my Father's image. So if you're not dreaming, you need to realize your connection to your dad isn't there. Because, see, we were created to dream with our Father that things that aren't even in existence yet, I can see because that's how my Father is. 
He thought of me before the foundations of the world. My God's a dreamer. See, so he knew the plan he had for your life. And then he was going to give you these awesome encounters to show you, okay, their, their confidence is a little low right now. So I'm just going to fill their tank up with gas today. Their confidence is going to be a little low, so I'm going to send a check in the mail and I'm going to pay for the groceries. Their, their confidence is going to be a little low, so that knee problem they've had since second grade, I'm just going to reconstruct that thing. Uh, their confidence is going to be a little low in understanding that I preordained them for a destiny, so I'm going to give them a glimpse of my goodness so they will reconsider the way they view me, reconsider their purpose, and therefore they're going to step into their full potential. Can I get a bottle of water, bro? I'm running out of gas early. Miracles are doorways to intimacy. Encounters of His goodness that He gives to show we can trust Him in every way. They were never meant to be a pillow to make us comfortable in religion. Religion will rob you of dreams. Religion will put you in the very thing you were created to yearn for, but it will take away the authority and the wonder, and you'll live in a place of, I hear tons of messages, I have church attendance, but the very thing you yearn for, you're caught up in, but you don't know the fullness of it because it blinds you to mediocrity. Let me see if I can explain that a little better. Religion, because we have an inward desire... Thank you. To walk in communion with the Father, to walk out a God-ordained destiny, and when I get in religion, religion will surround you with comfort in a mediocre life. So the very inward desire you have, this I guarantee you, you go back to people that are no longer in the church that were once on fire, 90% of the time this is where this source comes from. Is you get in this trenched in mindset and you get in mediocrity because you weren't called to be mediocre. You were called to greatness because your preordained destiny is greatness. It's established in the Father's eyes that you would accomplish things for the kingdom that are so far outside of your ability. So when I get in mediocrity and then religion comes in and makes me comfortable there, the very thing you desire in your heart, you feel like you're in, but you're not getting satisfaction because you're not in the real thing. You, you, it's literally like you have the life raft, but you poke a hole in it and you're drowning with it. Because there's a fullness in Christ when you understand these encounters are to traject me into relationship. And then I begin to understand the very reason I was created. And I step into the fulfillment of greatness. Now, I want to tell you something. You're great all by yourself. You're great because you are a beloved child of God. You're great because He thought of you before the foundations of the world and He meticulously created you with His very own hands. He gave you the perfect personality. He knew what your eyes were going to look like and what your weird toes were going to look like. And He knew all these things He was going to do about you and He knew it. So that, in that fact, you're great. Nothing added, nothing taken away. You're beautiful and great just how you are. But greatness is a totally different thing. Greatness is stepping into the process of the preordained destiny I've been given. 
Now, I didn't say the accomplishment of it because I haven't accomplished my destiny, but I'm in my process. So in my, eye, my father's eyes, I've stepped into greatness because I don't have it all figured out, but my encounters have reconsidered the way I think about him, and now I'm stepping into my preordained destiny. So greatness is what I live in now. You're great all by yourself, but you can live your whole life being great, swallowed up in mediocreness, mediocrity. And never know the satisfaction of what it's like to live in your preordained destiny. Why do you think you get bored with Christianity? This is the least boring thing I've ever done. I don't have many boring days in this. The boring days I have is because I'm too lazy to get out of bed on a Saturday. It's not because I've chosen a path that is boring. I've chosen a path that has given me access to live outside my own ability. Do you know what it's like to step out past what you are capable of doing? And because of the history you have with God, it transcends, transcends your old way of thinking and then you're allowed, you're given access to live outside of your ability. I can't heal anymore, but my father can. So when I pray for the sick and they get healed, I'm living outside of my ability. Satisfaction begins to scratch that desire I have in my heart. Because I have an inward desire to know him personally. I have an inward desire to accomplish that preordained destiny that he dreamed up for me before he even created me. And every time I have an encounter with him, it scratches that, scratches that desire. It just kind of touches that desire. You ever had that, that small encounter we talked about? And it overwhelmed you with a feeling inside that you really can't express? In that moment, it's, it touches the very satisfaction of your heart. Because it is the very reason you were created. And when it touches that inward desire, it was God saying, come on. Come on. No, I, I'm, I don't care about your insecurities. I don't care about what you feel like you're weak in. I'm touching it. I'm just touching it. I can't give you the full capacity because you can't handle it. But I'm touching it so you'll come in and begin to build a relationship with me. And then you can handle the outpouring I'm about to give your life. But so many times we feel the touch and it's like lighting a lighter. I was talking to Josh yesterday about this. It's like flicking a lighter on. I can blow a lighter out. But if I cut a torch on, I can blow as hard as I want. I'm not going to blow that torch out. That's the same way we have the option of the encounters. What will I do with those encounters? Will they six months, a year down the road, just be a good story that I tell people about that happened that one time? Or will it be the moment things shifted and I went to the next glory? Encounters that translate to intimacy awaken dreams that are only fulfilled in a believer when the unrelenting conviction that he is good. His goodness becomes a conviction in my life. Because when it's a conviction, I run everything in my life through that conviction. It's like a screen that everything has to pass through. It's, it's one thing to know by the Bible's verses that he's good, but it's another thing when I'm living in an encounter and it shifts the way I view him and everything in my life has to pass through it. I can tell 
I love all y'all, you good people. I love all of you. And I can tell when some of you have encounters, and it shifts the way you view the Father. Because I can talk to you two, three months down the road, and everything that's happening in your life is having to pass through that screen. So it become a foundation. It didn't become a story. And then I've seen others have incredible encounters. And when that thing had no tie to your relation capital with the Father, but you took it as a one-time encounter, and it's a good story, I'm glad my knee's healed, but now I can do whatever I want. Three months down the road, you're dealing with things God never intended you to deal with. Because you have no screen to pass through that He is good. Goodness is a conviction. It's not just a fact. It's the way I begin to view the world around me. And I begin to pass. So when I get anxiety, I need to pass that through that screen. He's good. Oh, that don't align. It doesn't even fit through the screen. It's not His. Some of you are dealing with things that you've been dealing with for years because you have no idea those small encounters were meant to transform the way you thought about God. It's not going to be on your own ability either. That's why I said it's intimacy. That's why Holy Spirit's translating it intimacy because you were meant to experience His goodness and then go spend time with Him. Don't overthink it. I don't have this thing figured out. I just spend time with Him. I don't have to take this encounter and try to figure out how it's going to adjust my mind. I just go in and worship Him. But when you see the encounter as Him drawing you to get to know Him as an Abba, as Father, then you'll take it into the intimate place and say, God, let it transform me. If the encounter with the supernatural makes you feel good with never bringing you to intimacy with the one who brought the encounter, then you violated his goodness. The Israelites, when they were in the wilderness, tasted a portion of his goodness. They went over there, they got the grapes, they got the milk, the, you know, they brought it all back, showed them how good it was going to be. It's a taste. It's a taste for what's available. But it was the wonder invitation into the fullness of the promised land. When they brought those grapes back, when they brought all that stuff back from the promised land, if they would have translated that into relationship, that Abba just showed us the very inheritance that is ours. What if you've seen your small encounters as the taste of your inheritance? I cannot operate in what I've never experienced. Those tastes are to show you your royalty and here is your inheritance. The Israelites didn't understand that. They didn't realize they were tasting their inheritance. So fear come and stripped them of the promised land. Miracles, encounters, spoken words, however you want to describe the encounters with God, are never a confirmation to solidify a mediocre life. It's always a glimpse of His goodness by His grace to come get to know Him. When you were called to step in over your head and trust He would part the water on the way to your promised land, 
the taste is what gave them the confidence is that I can step in a Jordan River that's outside of its banks and know that my God will make a way. If miracles and encounters have done nothing else for me, it's created me a confidence in my God that no matter what I face, He is good. Too many of you are battling with things that God has called you out of for a long time. And you've had repetitive, repetitive, repetitive moments of His goodness. And because He's so merciful, He's probably not even going to stop now. He won't stop. He'll continue pouring that goodness out on you. But until you translate it into relationship, you'll continue to fight things you were never created to battle. Why do you keep losing the depression? Because you don't know that he's as good as he says he is. Why do you keep getting overcome by anxiety? Because you don't have a screen to pass it through. Every moment is a call to intimacy to know more about Jesus. You are valuable just in the fact you're God's handwork masterpiece. And it's that call to greatness. I want to read one more scripture right quick. It's Luke chapter 5, verse 12 through 16. And I want to take a look at what Jesus did. Because Jesus is our example. <laughs> Everything Jesus did spoke volumes. He never did anything without a meaning. So many times we see in Jesus' 33 years of life these amazing moments with God happen and then he would seclude himself. Crowds would begin to form. Talk about who he was would begin to happen. People would flood him to where he had to get out in a boat to get away from him just to preach the gospel. But he continued to find himself in the secluded place. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him. And he healed their infirmities, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. These moments, when realized, because trust is so hard to come by. Trust is so hard to build. It's built. It's not just given. And it's God building your trust in who He is as a Father. So when I understand that I can trust Him, I can be intimate with Him. This is hard to do when you feel insecure and like you have weaknesses. Because whether we like to admit it or not, we don't like people to see those weaknesses. We'll go to great lengths to cover them up. God knows those weaknesses, but in the goodness of Him being a father that you can trust, He wants you to come talk to Him about them. It's in the intimate place when you... Say, God, I'm not covering them up anymore. I want you to know them, and I want to know you and what you say about them. Then you begin to find freedom over the things that are devouring your life and life more abundantly. 
But if I spend my entire life trying to cover up my insecurities because I'm unwilling to just be intimate. Guys, this is hard to get. I'm telling you. But if you let your guard down, you'll understand what it means to be a man of God and not just a tough man. Tough men will break under certain circumstances. God men will see God in every situation and they'll carry their families. We don't need men with hard exteriors. We need men that understand what God is saying over the moment. So all of us, we have those things that we just really don't want people to know. We don't really want people to see. We don't want people to know those weak things that we try to hide with certain things. But if we understand that these encounters that all of us have had on some scale, and if you haven't, we're going to give you an opportunity a little bit. He's going to show up for you. But in those moments, if you understand that's God's goodness surrounding you saying, you can trust me. It's, it's okay. You can trust me. Look, look, this was going this way, and I, I pulled it back. Look, I, I shifted that. It, man, that marriage was going off the tracks, and look, I restored it. Look, that, your child was going off in left field. Look, look where they're at now. There are these moments when God comes in with the fullness of his goodness and says, you can trust me. And then when we take them and we go spend time with him, it begins to be foundations. Like the man who built his house on the rock and not on sand. You begin to have these foundations, this history with God that prepares me for anything I'll face in this life. Because God wants to prepare you for what you're going to go through and what you're going to face. But so many of us have nothing when we get to the moment because we left it all back as a one-time experience and not as a call to the intimate place. Everything Jesus did was the Father's doing translated through Him. And it always drove Jesus back to the way of the intimate place. If Jesus needed it so much, why do we feel like we don't? I'm not in a hurry this morning. And all week praying over this word, I felt like some of you guys, God, encounters that you had that you neglected. Let's just be real. I've done it in my life. That's what it is. It's neglect of the encounter with the goodness of God. That I felt like God today was going to wipe the dust off. And he was going to begin to bring them back to your memory. And he was going to begin to restore the nutrients that he wanted you to get out of it. When I started working out, every meal was what I could get out of it that would supply me for when I went to the gym. So I looked at meals as the nutrients I can get out of it. But we've turned encounters into Johnny's Buffet. We just scarf it down and enjoy it for the moment, but it does us zero good. But when I understand that there is a never-ending depth to the thing I've just seen, then it will create in me a hunger to know the one who was merciful enough to give it to me. And then it will create in you a desire to sit at the feet of Jesus. And when you begin to sit at the feet of, the Je of Jesus, just like when the woman, the adulterous woman, the prostitute, come and washed his feet with her tears and dried it with her hair, she had zero care about all of those that were standing around. You'll begin to get tunnel vision to the goodness of God that makes you impervious to mental breakdowns, to anxiety attacks, to broken hearts, to broken mindsets. 
I know that's hard for us to comprehend because so many times in this uh, Bible Belt church geographical location we live in, we think cycles are the way we were created to live. Cycles rob you of destiny. So, thank you, Holy Spirit. You have encounters that God wants to brush the dust off today. And understand that you have a calling on your life so great, so incredible, you will only accomplish it at the feet of Jesus. When I stopped standing and working and started sitting and being, I started seeing I can walk in this thing. It's not too big. But in this house, we've seen incredible miracles. We've seen incredible encounters. But until we begin to honor them, I feel like Holy Spirit saying right now, you're going to see the decrease. And I squall and I cried and I wept. I said, God, don't, don't, don't stop. Keep pouring out. But he said, I'm going to pour out, but my children need to understand that I'm calling them into the deep. And you're going to begin to see things in your life be enlightened. He's going to begin to open your eyes to the encounters that before you would brush off as just awesome. And now they're going to be, God, i got to know you. And I pray, thank you, Brother Steve, I, I pray moving forward that this house, Holy Spirit, forgive us, that we begin to honor the encounters. I wanted to finish early to give time today. You don't have to be in a hurry. We're always in such a hurry, and it robs us of the very moments God wants to have with us that shifts relationship. So, the altar call is this. If you've ever had a moment that God come in and intervene and did something for you and it didn't translate to relationship, there's a forgiveness for that today. Because it needs to be forgiven. Because I have things I've had to ask for forgiveness in preparation for this moment. Because it's a neglect of the goodness of God. We praise Him. We sing songs about Him. We declare He is a good, good Father. But when He shows up with His goodness, we neglect that He's calling us to be sons and daughters. You have an inheritance that He lets you have a taste of, that He wants you to dwell in and live in every day. And until you understand the encounter was a call, it was a call. And it was Him saying, you can trust me. Until you begin to see that, and you, like Jesus said in that parable, repent, change your mind, change your purpose. Because you've got a God-ordained purpose. And if we don't understand the encounters, we'll be okay with the one we decide to have for ourselves. And we'll live our entire lives with a dissatisfied heart because satisfaction comes when we step into the process that God created us to walk in. So if you have anything, I believe right now, Holy Spirit's going to begin to bring some things to mind that didn't translate to relationship. These altars are open. I want you to come and ask for the forgiveness. 
And then I want you to begin to pray, God, establish what you wanted out of it. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.